0: and definitely check out those shows as well. Rachel Singer is the author of You Had Me at Pet Nat," a natural wine-soaked memoir. Rachel is the founder and publisher of Pipette Magazine, an independent natural wine-focused print magazine sold in over 20 countries via independent book and wine shops. Her writing about natural wine has appeared in numerous publications, both online and in print, Originally from the US, she lives in South Australia with her husband and daughter, making natural wine under the labels Lucy M and Persephone. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss. You had me at Pay Paynat. Did I say that right? Petnat? Pet Petnat. Petnat. Pet pet nat. Okay, Petnat. A natural wine-soaked memoir. You see how. And I actually took like a hundred years of French in school. And that's all that's all I got from it, is basically nothing. So there you go. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's impossible to learn any language unless you basically go live in that country. And even then there are challenges, but yeah, you have to do it. You had a great
0: scene in the book when you arrive in Paris and you're like sitting there having your cafe creme and like getting all... And I was like reading this with such longing, like, oh my gosh, how amazing would that be just to upend my life and take a little voyage and just sit and sip coffee for a second in Paris? I don't know. I just... Thank you for that.
1: <laughs> oh, I was writing it with longing because I had a six month old baby and it was winter and it was a pandemic and I had like postpartum depression. So oh, no. I was kind of writing it with a lot of desire for that exact moment, but that's okay. I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of things and I know how lucky I am to have lived through a lot of that. So it's all good.
0: Oh my gosh. Wait, let's come back to that in two seconds. But first, I just, if you wouldn't mind just explaining a little bit more about the book for people listening so they know
1: what your memoir is about. So I wrote this book to educate people about natural wine, which is a movement about organic, unfiltered wine made without any additives whatsoever. And I used my personal story kind of to like, illuminate this world from the inside and that story spans from it spans about like 3 years, 4 years from discovery to becoming a wine journalist to becoming essentially starting to become a winemaker but it it really I tried to really get very honest about that kind of transformation because I don't know. I think in the age of social media, a lot of people's lives are very uh, rosy-hued. And actually, it was very challenging going through so many of those changes and discoveries. And it's, it's challenging pursuing what you love. But I think what I wanted to get across is that it was also so exhilarating and exciting. And I was really in love with this whole world. And I just went for it. Good for you.
0: I mean, it's so, it's really inspiring. We need more stories like this where it's, it's possible that it's not only just a pipe dream. I love even your magazine now is Pipette because it like, it sounds sort of like this whole pipe dream situation. You know, it's like a, I don't know. It's perfect. Uh, And you talk in the book about starting that magazine as well. And, you know, all the, anxiety about doing that and and everything. Talk about your journey to through becoming like all through the wine and all the way to now having this publication about it. And by the way, I think it's so amazing. We're sitting here and it's early where I am in New York, but it's late in Australia and you're drinking wine and that is just the coolest thing. So
1: I know. It's so wild and we don't think about this enough how the earth turns on its axis and how it like affects everybody differently, but the sun rises Well, we rotate around the sun in a way that it appears to rise first in the world on a small island, like off the coast of Australia. So I always tell that to people when they're like, wait, what time is it there? I'm like, just imagine that the sun was rising first, like near me. And and I hope that that helps them. But I don't know. It probably confuses them more. Okay. So, so I was a freelance journalist, but I didn't start out writing about food and wine and I, you know, I go into that, like kind of in the book, I accidentally discovered natural wine when I was working on fiction, my first love that I would like to get back to. And I just kind of was obsessed with natural wine and there were no previous indicators that I was going in that direction. I never really appreciated wine. My family didn't have fine wine on the table, quite the opposite. But something, some things are meant to be, and this one really was, but I immediately was interested in like the cultural and political side of it. And I just sort of dove headfirst in and I forgot about fiction and I forgot about whatever journalism I was doing. And I focused on wine writing. I was also doing food writing. And I remember specifically, I asked a colleague of mine, a woman, you know, maybe like 15 years older than me, and she'd been in the biz. And I said, I feel really split. And I feel like learning about food and learning about wine and trying to write about them as a big kind of a novice journalist is really taking on a lot. And she said to me, you know what? There's not that many women in wine writing. So maybe you should just do that. And I was like, okay. And I did. And when I started my magazine and when I started conceiving of this book, I mean, I was just, these were just dreams. Like I was just, you know, a kind of a nobody in Brooklyn and like writing for anyone I could and occasionally for, for big names or occasionally for the well-established magazines. But, you know, natural wine was really niche then. It still is, but it was much more niche. So I found it, hard as as my as my appreciation for natural wine increased and i found that i was not interested in writing about mainstream wine i found it really hard to get assignments and that's when i started to think and then i had like an amazing experience this is not in the book, but I, I, I traveled in the Loire Valley, which having studied France, you would know of. It's a really interesting, huge wine region, not far at all from Paris, very accessible from Paris. So I, I did like a week. And I did like three natural winemakers a day. And I was just like, like totally wrecked at the end. It was great. (laughs) And I was very amazed at the things that they were doing. And I saw a lot of stories there and nobody took them. I couldn't get, and there was also this guy in Oregon I wanted to write about. And that's when I started to think, maybe it's time to consider self-publishing. Did you self-publish this book? No, it's his shed. Well, I thought it would be a book and then it became... Pipette magazine, essentially. And I mean, some of those stories, I think I never actually got to write. And maybe one day I will when I can, (laughs) when my child is in school and I can just romp around France again, or I don't know. One question about the wine. So let's say like now I really want
0: to try natural wine. Does it, if you're at a restaurant and you're ordering wine, how do you know if it's a natural wine or not? Like it doesn't really say on the menu, you know, like how do, how do i get it otherwise aside from going into a store and saying like i definitely want a natural wine
1: i think going into a store would be a better place to start because you're going to be you're going to have much lower investment and you'll have someone who can spend more time with you there are a, a few restaurants i know of who have like specified on their list organic or natural wine, but those restaurants were in New York city. And I really think that's like kind of, I mean, you can find so much natural wine in New York and increasingly in the rest of the country, but I just don't know whether people are starting to do that in, in restaurants on wine lists, but yeah, I think you need to maybe do a little Google and like Google natural wine in your town. And I mean this for your listeners too, kind of wherever they are, because it is now almost anywhere. And that's that's a good thing. That's amazing. That like distribution has increased so much. And there's an app called Raisin, Raisin, grape in French. And they dedicate themselves to like, basically telling you where to find natural wine wherever you are like you could be anywhere in the world and just use the app. So that's a good place to start. It does have sort of a problem in terms of categorization and labeling because there is no natural wine category officially. So it's this very loose kind of movement and there you know there have have been calls for more transparency. There's definitely confusion sort of anyone could make a wine that looks natural, right? And market it in a certain way, but it's not from organic vineyards or whatever. But I think at a really good shop that specializes in natural wine, you'll find people who are passionate enough that they've actually gone out of their way to go to tastings, meet producers in person, ask them questions. They might know the importers as well on a personal basis. So I think that um, if you can locate a business like that then you're in you're in good hands. And what are the main benefits of natural wine? Like why go to the trouble? That is a great question and I definitely don't want to say that there are like concrete identifiable health benefits. There is a lot of data kind of back and forth about whether sulfites cause allergic reactions or headaches and things like that which are commonly attributed to them. I am just gonna go ahead and say that natural wine is fun and I think it tastes great if you are open. So if you're the kind of person who likes kombucha, then you'll like natural wine because it has that taste of fermentation because there's no artificial yeast added. Or if you like sourdough bread, or if you like eating like lacto-fermented stuff and like really strongly flavored pickles, That's for me, it's, it's fun. And you can know as well that you're, you're, you're buying something from a small, like family run business and that the farming should be organic. And even if it's not certified, that is the general premise. So that's basically it. Like, I think it's fun and it tastes great. And the more I got to know the people making it, the more I saw how passionate they were about like reducing their impact in terms of viticulture and just some really interesting product uh, projects out there and really interesting ways of winemaking that I don't think you find in the conventional world. It's very geeky. <laughs> it's super geeky. I think for people that are really into like obscure music or like obscure art movements, natural wine is like a good fit. Interesting. I'm mm. not sure I'm
0: falling into any of those categories that you outlined, but <laughs> it is worth a try just to just <laughs> do it. So are you drinking the wine in your hand right now? Is that a natural wine? Oh yeah. So this is just one of my husband's wines. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you were practicing what you preach. That's
1: all. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, Very let's go much. back let's go back to the writing piece of all of this and the postpartum depression. Tell me about that. So you where were you? Like where were you in life? How did it affect you? What happened? How'd you make your way through it? What on earth possessed you to try to do the hardest thing on earth while you were going through this? I mean, I'm kidding. I you know, writing is such a song. Oh, yeah.
1: But it's well, hard. both the hardest thing on earth.
0: Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so tell me about that destructive urge. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I know. Like what what the hell? I had been trying to sell a book for years, you know, like I had been with more than one agent. It wasn't the right fit. And then I found this amazing agent and at the time I was pregnant, but I I think when you're pregnant, you don't really understand what having a baby means. You've, you've had some ideas that you've developed in various ways and they sort of float around in your mind and you're like, my child will do this. My child and I will do X. And you also don't really think like our child, like you haven't really thought of yourself as a family yet. You have these ideas. And so I continued trying to sell the book. And then when Our daughter was like four months old. My agent sold the book. And I was like, oh God. And the pandemic (laughs) had just begun. Australia had just shut its borders. And, you know, I'm like, I was like breastfeeding this child. And I called up a daycare that I had visited once when I was pregnant. And they were like, sure, we have a space. But she wasn't taking a bottle. And so, for the first six weeks that I kind of worked on the manuscript after it had actually been sold when there's that pressure because mm-hmm. I sold it like half written, but then there's like this, blow oh my God, someone has is like paying me money and people are going to read this. And I I would drop her off and it was winter and it's very rainy in our region of Australia in winter, not snow, just rain. So I would sit there in the car because nothing was open. And because I knew that in about two hours, I was going to get a call to pick her up and feed her because she wouldn't take a bottle. And I didn't know like how you kind of took her weeks to accept a bottle. And so I basically sat in the car and wrote with my laptop on my lap with the heat on. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I know it was insane, but I think I think I felt better doing that than I would have being fully at home Mm -hmm. with a child. And I still feel that way. I think that, you know, like I love hanging out with our daughter, like super love it, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it full time. I will always work. I will always be creative. It's super hard. And I always question, like what I'm sacrificing in terms of her upbringing. But like one day she's, I guess, going to have a mother who has done the things that she wanted instead of a mother that regrets things she could have done. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role
0: I have four kids and I stayed home with my first kids and my little, there's a big age gap just so happened anyway. And with the little kids, i am like working all the time (laughs) and it's just whatever they get used to is what they expect, right? Like they don't come with as many expectations as you think. This is my main takeaway from now, you know, almost 15 years of parenting. It's like okay, this is what we do. This is what, this is what life is. This is what my mom is. This is what a mom does. This is how my life is. And there's no judgment. It's just, they, that's what you give them. So they don't, they don't expect any different. I know this is, that's probably sounds obvious, but if you just set the expectation, then, then that's what, that's what they learn. And so mm-hmm. no guilt. That's, that's,
1: that's my way of saying there should not be guilt to and, and I think I had intense guilt and I projected it onto our daughter. And I think she must, I don't know, they must pick up on things. Because she, pick up she on definitely m- yes. made it hard. <laughs> they pick up on everything. She everything. definitely made it hard for me sometimes, even to this day. You know, like very clingy. Like, how could you leave me, mom? How could you not want me around all the time? And then mm-hmm. that, that changes for a few months and then it comes back. But I like that philosophy. I'm going to try to actually think that to myself.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it's not to say kids don't
0: always want to be with their moms. And it's, you know, mm. but that's, for most people, that's not what happens. That's not doable. And it's okay. Kids adapt to the craziest circumstances. Anyway, this is not my place to really say. This is just my own personal opinion. But I don't know. I, I, I've i wasted so many years feeling guilty about so many things. And mm-hmm. It's all it does is drain me, and it doesn't benefit the kids at all. So no, not to say I don't still have guilt. Like I have to go to some work event tonight, and I'm already like, oh no, I can't put them to bed, and they're going to be so upset. I'm like, you know what? Like one day they'll have to go to a work event at night, and that's they'll know this is what you do. So I don't know. Anyway, that's just my two cents. By the way, I wanted to tell you this at the beginning. So I read your book during spring break, and I had my a girlfriend, an old girlfriend of mine, and I met with. A bunch of other people after this wedding. And she loves to read and I love to read and we're always swapping books and everything. And when we sat down like by the pool in this like amazing, very infrequent time Mm -hmm.
1: just with a girlfriend, she was reading your book. Stop it. That's, oh my God, that's mind blowing. That makes me so happy. Yeah, it was great. And she, because uh, I
0: literally, she pulls out her Kindle and she reads like a book a day. She's like the best reader I know. And I was like, okay, what are you reading? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm reading. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's in my backpack. I'm going to read that tomorrow. You know, so yeah. What? Yeah. Is she
1: into like wine or into um France, Not overly.
0: Just... No, she just Amazing. loves great books. And yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. That's I thought you did kick it. Yeah. <laughs> so there we were, you know, in Mexico, reading
1: all about your. Oh, All over the world, adventures. Yeah, you you write a book and you maybe hear from a few people, a few amazing people who take the time to send messages. And otherwise, you're like it's just out there. And I haven't been able to travel; I couldn't do a book tour, and so you know, I have this like imagined audience that I hope exists.
0: Well, Allison and I had a great time reading it. Yeah. <laughs> have you, by the way, been in touch with Victoria James, who wrote a memoir called
1: Wine Girl? Oh yeah. Like Victoria, my, my parallel. She's so amazing. And we, for like a year, we hung out a lot. She was working at Peora, this Michelin starred restaurant. And I was like, I think I was learning a lot from her to be honest. Um, She's very knowledgeable and we'd get together and like do things and forage for her Amaro. And then I don't know. We kind of like drifted off in different directions. I definitely was much more into natural wine. And she was like, I don't know. I'm more into like fine wine. And then we both named our daughters, Simone. <laughs> Amazing. Wow, So funny. She's yeah. great. I loved her book. I thought her book was really powerful. Yeah. I actually Mm -hmm. just got,
0: she sent me these wine glasses. Now she has a collection with Lennox. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, what was this? Anyway, but I love learning about this world. Not that I am a huge wine aficionado, but I just find it so interesting, especially the way authors like you are able to convey on the page something that is so sensory
1: based, right? That's not easy to do. Yeah. Did it come through? I feel like It was difficult to walk that line between over explaining and kind of wanting to move on. Like, I don't want to spend five pages on a single kind of topic. Right. Yes. Check plus. Cool. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, this novel you're going to write, what would you want it to be about?
1: Oh, God. It's, it's, I feel like it's really soon, but I'm definitely so a lot of ideas over the years have come, come by, and this one has kind of stuck and it's just about female friendship. And it's about women that lived together in their senior year of college, having a reunion and kind of confronting who they've become as opposed to like who they thought they were and kind of, I don't know. So it's a very, so I think it's a very like intimate novel. There's some challenges, definitely has like too many characters right now. <laughs> I don't know. I I just, I just really like, I like a fiction that is very close to real life. I read a lot of autofiction, which I'm mm-hmm. sure some people find boring, but I find gripping. Like... Sheila Hetty, Rachel Cusk, I don't know what else, but I just like fiction that's really simple. I like to get into the kind of nitty gritty of relationships and identity. I love those books too.
0: You're Mm -hmm. you're preaching to the choir here. I also love how on your website, you have two blogs, like what I'm drinking and what I'm reading. Like it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's always so, you know, they go sort of hand in hand often. And Yeah.
1: Those are two things I can generally recommend to people, something <laughs> to drink and something to read. So I have like a monthly mail, uh, like a MailChimp newsletter. Um, it's not a sub stack, even though that's all the rage, but know. you know, I just do it for free and I recommend usually something to read and something to drink, which is always a natural wine, basically. Occasionally, it's like a very eclectic beer or a spirit. It's usually a natural wine.
0: I'm um, totally going to sign up now after this. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> okay, Rachel, thank you. This has been so fun. Last question. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors?
1: Yes. Read, obviously. I'm sure everybody says that, but Also sign up for workshops and just find them wherever you can. I know in some cities, you know, you can kind of throw a stone and hit a workshop. And that's amazing. If you're in a place like that, I would definitely just say, you know, spend the money, go out there and and just get critiques, like put your work out there for other eyes to read and hear what they have to say, because they're your readers. And also don't be afraid to approach writers you admire. And even if they are the loftiest kind of heights, like you think you can't write for the New Yorker, but I mean, someone has to write for the New Yorker and like, maybe it's you. So contact that New Yorker author when he's in your town, contact your favorite writer and and send fan mail. I think that's amazing, an amazing thing to do and see if, you know, maybe you start up a conversation with somebody. I think people really like that, so.
0: I sent fan mail to an author when I was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. She had the same name, Zibby, and she was a middle grade author. And her name was Zibby O'Neill. And my mom (laughs) helped me find her address by calling the publisher. And we got her address in Michigan and we became pen pals. And I wrote her for years and she would write me back on this blue stationery. And then years later, she came to New York and she took
1: me to tea at the plaza. Oh, that is gorgeous. Oh my God. Oh, that's amazing. I want to take someone to like, I don't know if it'd be tea at the plaza. I mean, take him to have natural wine somewhere. Maybe. I love that. That's was so, so beautiful. Great. It was so
0: great. I remember I wore this ridiculous 1980s outfit and with my shoulder pads and this is really shoulder dating pads. myself, but I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I loved this like sort of bright blue with red pattern all over matching blouse and skirt. And I felt oh so God. fancy. And is
1: that in your, was, like, don't you have I, a memoir coming
0: out? I do have a memoir coming out and yeah. I actually was just thinking that I was like, oh, I should write more about that. I should write an essay about that. Yeah, I wonder if I put that in. I, I cut so much out. I had so many words and then I basically like oh. chopped it in half. So I'm wondering if that is still in at some point I wrote about it. I hope
1: it is. I'll look. <laughs> oh my God. I know it's so hard to look back at the manuscript. Know, That's just, exciting though. And a children's book.
0: Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank
1: you for knowing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yes quite a year. So yeah,
0: holding onto my hat and hopefully it goes well. Yeah, of <laughs> like, course it will. That's great. I like begging people I know to pre-order my books. And
1: <laughs> oh, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, it was great to meet you. And if you're ever in the New York area, let's go for a glass of natural wine. Although I'll probably- oh, yeah, <laughs> I definitely will be.
1: That sounds great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that awesome. would be amazing. Thanks, be. All right.
0: Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Okay.